Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And it was funny because I remember the feeling like I called my parents and I told them like, I'm going to retire, you know, I'm, I think I'm done. And just like the relief, it was incredible. Yeah. You know, like that feeling of shit, I'm, I'm never have to deal with that ever again. Hey, welcome to Figuring Out 30. This is a podcast exploring the chaos, confusion and clarity that comes with life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Husway. I'm coming off oh, a gorgeous week and a gorgeous weekend. I can't tell you how happy I am. The sun is shining in Victoria. Spring has bloody sprung and I am a better person because of it. <laughs> and I'm feeling good. I know last week I was talking about how I haven't been like emotionally slaying at the moment, feeling a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, But yeah, I did have a really nice week down the peninsula getting some work done. And also now just looking forward to some things like, you know, it's, I just, I always need to have something to look forward to, like whether it's planning a a little trip or another thing that I'm looking forward to is the fact that Oscar and I are moving house in about a week and a half. This is something that's actually been a big contributor to my anxiety. And I was wondering whether or not to mention it last week when I was talking a bit about that stuff, but Long story short, we moved in to this beautiful house in Brunswick West last December, right? Um, But we quickly realized we had uh, a bit of a neighbor situation on our hands and we understand it's like a pretty complex situation regarding mental health and police involvement. Um, We've been in contact with the police pretty much on a weekly basis since we moved in here. Um, And the neighbor on the other side has also done the same for a long time. But yeah, it's kind of just got to the point where we don't feel at ease and I don't feel safe. Like I'm working from home full time. I'm constantly on edge um, because it's like, yes, yeah, screaming throughout the day, throughout the night. Um, and we know it's complex, but it's just not feasible for us to be here any longer. So we've been able to break the lease without penalty, which is really good. Um, we're moving across to Essendon and uh, I'm just so excited to not, you know, to not feel like this anymore. I've just got, yeah, a lot of it's it's hard to it's honestly hard to talk about because you want to be really mindful. But yeah, it's a shame because this house that we've been in is gorgeous. I love this place. Like if only we could pick up the house and, and just move it somewhere else. Um but yeah. So that's pretty and you know, another reason as to why I was a bit I've kind of been like on edge for um honestly all of this year. But anyway. Let's move past it. You're actually about to hear from someone who stopped by our house recently and is one of Oscar's mates. It's someone that he played with at Melbourne. And this guy was a pretty big deal because he was the number one draft pick in 2008. So you can just imagine the microscope that was placed on him throughout the course of his career. And keeping in mind his career ending at the age of 29, like, you know, when we talk about retirement and stuff, you don't really hear retiring at 29 as a common thing, but in the world of AFL, it's, you know, it's it's standard. Um, And I'm talking about Jack Watts. So I'm really keen for you to hear about Jack's time playing in AFL, um, particularly what it's like to, yeah, like land your dream job and then quickly realize that it's not all that it you know, is cracked up to be, I guess. We we talk about tying our identity to our work because that would be such a huge thing for AFL players. And especially with such a demanding job that, yeah, it does result in a much shorter career lifespan. So for so many of these guys, they're retiring and they're heading into their 30s. Like they're exiting this system and entering a huge new decade of life. So we kind of dive in on that. We also touch on relationships and how Jack is feeling about his 30s. He just seems to be in a really good place at the moment. And, you know, I've been following him on Instagram for a little while. And as I mentioned, he's um, one of Oscar's mates. And it, you actually hear a bit more about his connection with the family because he's just um, spent some, he, he, he knows all the McDonald uh, siblings. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we talk about how he's feeling about his 30s. Uh, what I was saying about his Instagram, like, 
I watch his stories and the things that he's doing. And you can, you know, when you just watch someone, I said this the other week, actually, when people were saying it about me, like you see that someone's so happy and you're just like, I love, I love this content. I love seeing that they're happy. Um, that's, I guess, how I feel about seeing all Jack's stuff at the moment. Like he's just seems really happy and we love that. Um, and also, yeah, with his 30s, if there's any pressures that he's feeling as a guy in his 30s. So let's jump in. I really hope you enjoy this one. Jack is yeah a mega doll. Um, so yeah, figuring out 30 with Jack Watts. Watsy, welcome to Figuring Out 30. Thank you, Bridget. It's been a long time coming. I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, let's quickly talk about the crossover here because you obviously played footy with – you're like a McDonald because <laughs> <laughs> you were just in Europe with Sasha and Laura. Yes. What can you tell me about Oscar and, like, your relationship with Oscar? Okay. My relationship with Oscar. Well, Oscar is how, – how old? He's a lot younger than me. He'd be 20 – Yeah, he's 27. 27. Hey, so he came to the D's – Obviously, we already had Tommy McDonald and so had Tommy, his older brother, you know, pretty sure of himself, maybe you know, <laughs> arrogant might not be the word, but, you know, Tommy was, um, was you know, that's sort of his character and Oscar comes in, so you're sort of expecting the same thing. But uh, as you, I'm sure you know, he's a very different personality. Yeah. He's that soft, beautiful, um, caring person who basically plays off scratch at golf. <laughs> So that was sort of a, a very easy way to um, to relate and we became pretty close through that. Um, and, yeah, that's sort of how I know the whole fam. And then Laura, I may have kissed Laura on a night out. I think one. you kissed one of them, right? Potentially, You maybe. should marry one of them and then yeah, we could be I mean, like, oh, wait, well, I'm not married to Oscar, <laughs> but like one day we could be related. One day. I knew <laughs> Ruby as well. I think maybe Tom might have met Ruby through me or Buggy or something. Really? So... Very intertwined. Yeah. yeah. And you were just in Italy with the McDonald's sisters. How was that? That was a, a blast, yeah. We we started off, we did the wholesome um, cooking class together in Florence. And then it's kind of romantic. Did you kiss was... her again? Did you kiss her again? <laughs> no, I certainly, Damn it. certainly didn't. There was no, um, no engagement of that sort over there. Um, but it was good to meet Sasha. Yeah, she, Sasha's sweet. She's just a... Crazy woman, and and probably slightly a bit more like Tom, I reckon, quite strong-willed and very strong-willed. Yeah, yeah. She's um, a young, fierce, independent girl. Exactly. I yeah. was like very intimidated from. Were you really? Yeah, she was. Her and her um, her friend that she plays netball with, they were just bang strong personality. So, but it was awesome, good fun, and Laura took us to some nice spots, and then we went out and had a good drink and. And I was done. How good. Mm. Oh, my God. It's such a small world. So I saw the message that you sent Oscar when you must have found out that we are dating. So have you listened to Triple <laughs> J? Are you a fan? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I didn't know if I was going to get into this. But, yeah, Bridget, geez, I'm, oh. I think I must have had a little crush on you when you were hosting Goodnights. Oh, no. I well, I, we scrolled through your Instagram before and you have a, a photo posted of Vera Blue. And oh, I was yes. like, oh, he loves music. <laughs> I, I do love music. I love musical theatre. Am I blushing? Which... I feel like I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I loved I loved Triple J, but yeah. then I probably haven't listened to it for a number of years now. But then I think, I don't know, did I know that you were friends with Jess Todd before you got with Oscar or something? I don't Maybe, know. Maybe, because I went to primary school with her. So okay. it's like all crazy crossover. And like really I is. didn't know that Oscar and Tom even spent time at school in Ballarat. It yeah. was... Yeah, it's funny how it all is kind of and, – and you're friends with Ed Quinn from like some sociable Telenova yes. and like I've premiered a bunch of his songs. Like it's yeah. just, a, yeah, crazy crossovers. Yeah, yeah. Such exactly. a small And now we finally met. I and hopefully know. we can go to many musicals together. And Okay, so what did you think of Moulin Rouge? Um, oh, God, I hate being like critical but I think like the first half just like all those pop – songs it sort of threw me okay so incorporating the modern songs yeah, into the storyline like, i'm like such a romantic like hopeless sort of you know and so i love like the moulin rouge like the serious love story of it all yeah and i just felt that got lost a little bit yeah i still loved it and yeah. then the second half i thought was amazing yeah no um, i i would say i'm the same boat the stage production stunning yeah. but the more modernized musicals i'm more of a traditional yeah. kind of musical fan yeah. and i didn't realize i didn't know going into it that they had incorporated like Lord and you know yeah. all these modern that stupid shut up and dance with me oh song. My, that I was the hate word. it. That was it. I like, cracked it. Yeah. I was like, nah. I was I not enjoying that. Like, I need you and McGregor up there, yeah. like belting out. And that's what I thought as well. I was like, even the classic like Moulin Rouge songs, 
I didn't feel like they smashed them. Yeah. Almost. It was like, that's what everyone wants to hear, isn't it? Like, but. Anyway. What's your favorite musical? Oh, favorite musical of all time. I mean, I grew up on Phantom of the Opera. So oh, did you really? I've seen that maybe three times. Oh, my God. My parents took me that to, to that early on in my life. Yeah. And they have the Since giant then, chandelier that will come oh, swinging down. Incredible. Oh, wow. But from there, I mean, Lion King, Book of Mormon, I've yeah. seen both of them three times. Um, Wicked, I yeah. thought it was just incredible. Like, I went into the, I grew up on Wizard of Oz at, Used to go home to my nana's after school and watch Wizard of Oz on VHS yeah. every, every Arvo. And so I went into Wicked like having no idea what was coming and it just blew me away. Uh, so that, that's so – I would not have like – and I prob- you probably hear that a lot. Like I don't pick you as a musical guy. <laughs> like do you get that? <laughs> oh, God. It's like the one thing like playing footy. And I mean I didn't help yeah. myself either I guess like with a few um, indiscretions. But, um, you know, that stereotype of like – Typical footballer, yeah. and blah blah blah. You you sort of have to deal with that a fair bit, but yeah. Well, we'll get into that. So mm. let's wind it back. So your time, the core of this chat, yeah, time in your in AFL, time life after football, because mm-hmm. that's how you kind of started your thirties and anything in between. But you were the two thousand and eight number one AFL draft pick. I even remember it. Like it was very publicized. Mm. Yours, yeah what was the reasoning for that? Was it because like Melbourne were like in their flop era? I was asking Oscar before and he was like, he came to Melbourne when Melbourne were pus. And I was like, fuck, that's a description. Well, yeah, that's, um, that's probably generous to be honest. We were, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like I was, um, you know, Melbourne kid, grew up in Melbourne and then yeah, Melbourne had the number one draft pick. Did you go for Melbourne growing up? Nah, nah. Who'd you go for? I didn't really go for anyone. Right. No, okay. I sort of just followed, you know, I loved watching like the good players. Yeah. I loved um, Chris Judd and James Hurd and all those guys, but um, didn't really go for one team. Yeah. Um, particularly. But then, yeah, obviously got drafted, pick one and, and you sort of think, I mean, I was like the best kid growing up and we won everything, won all my grand finals and, um, you know, then... Played in the state under 18 carnival and we won that and I was the best player in that and everything was was a breeze, you know. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you sort of go to the professional setting and it just uh, it didn't quite work out for yeah. us. So, yeah, I think I went and we won, I think like my first year, I was still in year 12. So I was, yeah, so when you were drafted, you were drafted mm, at the end of year 11. Yeah. Is that normal have they changed that since because I thought it was always the end of year 12 and you go straight out of high school but you had year 12 still to complete your VCE yeah I did yeah so they they changed it yeah it was it was I mean looking back it was like just the worst year ever yeah sort of you don't really get to finish year 12 you don't really get to commit to footy yeah I think I missed like I had 60 69 days absent in my year 12 year of school but they ticked it all off because of footy like it was well, Fine. I just, yeah, because I missed a week, a day every week to go to main training, um, footy. And then, you know, around that I was, I'd just be knackered a lot of the time. So I'd have a, a day off here and there. But, um, but yeah, that's a lot of time to miss to try yeah. and get your, you know, your VCE done and your score and whatever. And, um, but yeah, they did change the regulations, I think, like the next year. So, so you couldn't get drafted in year 11 anymore, which, you know, was a, Probably a good thing. That's crazy. Mm. It's actually crazy to me that they permitted that to happen. Yeah. And I got like, I, there was other guys. So Dan Hannabury and I got drafted with a guy called Sam Blees. We were all in year 11. Um, but they sort of got told like, just go and enjoy your school year. Um, whereas for me, it was a bit different. Um, you know, I had to play VFL instead of, I couldn't play school footy with all oh, my mates. Right. And, you know, it was a bit more structured. And was it isolating for you? A little bit. Like yeah. you just didn't – I didn't really feel part of it at school because I missed all the, you know, the parties and going out and whatnot and graduation I didn't get to go to and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then at footy, like, I, you know, I'm going in there before school at four in the morning to do weights and then going to one main train, training session a week and then trying to play VFL and then I get thrown in. I played three games of AFL and – we got thumped every game. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit like, yeah, you just weren't committed to anything really. And it was um, a bit of a miserable year really. But um, but then I think we actually won, you know, I think we were like maybe we 
won like eight games or something that mm. year. And then the next, the following year, I think we're actually all right. And then um, we had that with same sort of thing. We were winning a few games, but then we lost. Was it was it the next year? Maybe that year. We lost to Geelong by like 187 points. Sorry. Like and, um, and so they sacked our coach and all this drama happened. But like we were like $6 million in debt. Um, you know, the club was nowhere. We won two games, two games in a whole year of like 22 games. Mm. And you're just getting hammered. So it was hard to sort of keep um, keep the positivity around, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a weird experience kind of, you know, chasing that dream, landing your dream job and then it not being what you thought it would mm. be. And I'm sure that's probably also the case even if you were drafted into a somewhat more successful team. Just, yeah, I mean, beyond the losses, was it just – could you kind of identify quickly that you're like, I'm just not sure if I actually love it? Like, were you obsessed with it? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I certainly, and I sort of look at this and I'm like, I wonder if I went to a club and we were winning and it was fun and we were playing finals, mm. whether I would have kept that love for it for a bit longer maybe. Or, you know, um, as I said to you, I spoke to Steel Sidebottom earlier and, and I, you know, we might just be different. He might just love footy. Mm-hmm. But even speaking to him, he's 32 and, you know, and he's saying that what gets him excited at the moment is playing footy and he's got finals coming up and how much fun is that? Whereas for me, I never really experienced that side of it. Mm. You know, in the beginning, it was just like we, I just got hammered and like personally probably got hammered a fair bit too. Like you're not working hard enough. Anything I did was never good enough. Mm-hmm. And like I'm a bit of a, you know, like a softie. I need to feel love. Loved and cared Some for. Some words of affirmation over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and, my and love like, language. Spot on. And, <laughs> and I'm the same. And, it, and it's just like, you know, that footy environment of like, you got to be tough. Like, you got to yeah. be strong. Like, blah, blah, blah. I sort of just hated it. And um, and so, yeah, from the beginning, it was it was pretty tough. And, and I certainly did lose that love for it. And then, as you say, like, I think, yeah, to be a good player, to be, a, you know, you do have to be obsessed with it. And mm. you do have to. You know, I guess you, you want to be able to love it so that you can put all that extra stuff in. And from, yeah, I probably when you're just getting told you're shit and you're no good and, you know, then you go out on the weekend and you lose by, you know, 80 points. People coming up to you and saying shit. Oh, all the time. Yeah, especially in living in Melbourne too, like such a microscope on in it. Those early years. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you go out and it's like you got your hat on, your hood on because you sort of like don't want to be seen and then – so Someone crazy, say, isn't it? You know, like it's always just the same shit. Like, what the hell are you doing out here? You should be training. It's like fucking midnight on a Saturday night. And I'm also like, you know, transitioning into my 20s. Yeah. Like, let a guy live. Yeah. Yeah. So <sighs> it's just, it is, it's, um, you know, the, the disparity between how the, like the teams at the top get treated yeah. and the teams that, you know, if you're doing shit, it's like, but you even hear it's about Collingwood now, like they're on top of the ladder, but people are still saying like, and even mm. the segments that they'll do on the pies, um, there's always something to pick up. Always, It's yeah. just highly scrutinised. I think that's like Australian culture too, isn't yeah. it? Like we're so quick to just tear people down. Oh, I would love it. And tall um, poppy syndrome. Yeah. As soon as like an artist breaks it international, we're like, oh, we hate them. Yeah. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're the only country like that. It's so crazy. Yeah. So... How how much of your identity would you say was attached to football? Oh, um, I think I worked pretty hard at, at um, separating it as much as possible. Yeah. Like I think maybe also because same sort of thing when you're doing shit and it's it's like I don't want to be seen as that person, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so like it would be interesting like if you talk to a lot of my teammates and stuff, like I'd really try and st- – get away from footy every every chance I got. Like I still have all my best mates are like my mates from school and basketball and stuff from like growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably another, like I did sort of distance myself a little bit and I probably like guys coming from over um, interstate and stuff, they would all form this really close bond because they just spend all day and, and after football, like after training, they'd all go and do stuff together. Whereas I sort of kept away from it a little bit and, and really wanted to keep my, my old life sort of thing. Um, 
In terms of like my identity, yeah, it's it's hard because, you know, I guess everyone that everyone knows you, they feel like they know you because they see you on TV and mm-hmm. they see you on the footy field and, and that's how they know you. That's who they know you as. Um, but, yeah, I sort of tried to keep, you know, who I was away from that as much as possible. Because whilst you were still at Melbourne, so you were still there around 2015, 2016, right, yeah. before you went to Port, yeah. that's when you launched Squash. Yeah. Did I say Squash? Yeah, Squash. Yeah. Squash 2015, we yeah. launched that. So what's it like being able to launch something like that whilst being a footballer? Is mm. that a hard thing to do? Do they encourage those kind of like little side hustles and pursuits? Like It, it, was, it was helpful having that profile, I guess. Like yeah. I was able, you know, getting on the footy show and Triple M Radio. And right. Um, you know, had connections at the Herald Sun and stuff. They'd do an article for us. So, so I think, you know, and that side of it was, was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to use it as much as you can, that's for sure, mm-hmm. while you can because once you're, you know, you're an old has-been, it's not quite <laughs> as easy to, to break down those doors. But um, And then in terms of like the workload, I was very lucky. I had my business partner, Adam Walsh, he... He was working on it full time and putting in, you know, all the hard yards and, and I'd sort of help where I could. Yep. Um, but he was sort of, you know, behind the scenes doing all the, the hard work. So was very lucky in terms of uh, having him. Um, but it also gave me a release too, like just, you know, an exciting venture to sort of tackle and, and sink your teeth into when, when, you know, you might not be having the best time at playing footy, doing your sort of your main job, but you've got this thing that's actually exciting, you know, and um, I guess like when I first got my email, you know, like jacket squashed and I'm getting an email from people. It's like, it was exciting for me. Like yeah. all my mates are like, oh, you'll get sick of, sick of that in a couple of weeks. But for me, it was exciting just to be in that side of things, you know, the real life sort of world. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably not quite as exciting anymore after <laughs> working there full time for a couple of years. But yeah. Um, because you've never, so you've never, you're going straight into the footy system. You never had to work at Maccas or anything like. Never. I've never had a, yeah, never had a proper job. Yeah. Never had a resume or ha- never had to write, you know, whatever it was. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like people, like you meet people and they just, don't, it's, they don't understand it. Yeah. Like, what, you've never had a part-time job. Like, <laughs> you know, even when you were younger, like I was just playing so much sport that yeah. I, I couldn't, you know, it's like. And, yeah, getting drafted at 17, you're straight into it. And you've probably come across so many different people approaching their footy careers differently mm. who might have an idea of going into the media world after or going into some coaching capacity or some might just go and be a tradie, which is totally fine. But a lot of people would struggle mm. with, like, who they are after footy, right? Because you you retired when you're, you were 29. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's – you don't yeah, hear that. Like, you know, I retired yeah. from that particular field, but, like – you hear retirement at 29 and yeah. it sounds like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's interesting. Like when I was, when I was playing, like I really, I sort of like looking back on it, I was like, oh, I don't want to use, I don't want to use my name and I don't want to use like, oh, football, you know. And then once you get out of it, you're like, shit, I should have, you know, like really. <laughs> milk it a little more. Milk it, like milk it. And now I look at guys who are milking it. I'm like, good on you. Yeah, like, well Get played. as much as you can out of it because, yeah, it's, and it's so, you know, you have so many guys coming in while you're playing, telling you like, make the most of it, and you know, blah. Is blah, there blah. judgment for putting yourself out there though, from that it, internal kind of environment? I think sometimes. Yeah, I'd, I would assume that yeah, would be the case. It's like you know, you might cop a bit of shit from the boys or whatever, but who cares? You yeah. Know, if you're fucking doing some, you know, ad for five grand or whatever. It's yeah, he's like, laughing, mate. Yeah, like, exactly. he's such a rock up Spot smile. On. Like, <laughs> Spot on. Sorted. Um, but then, yeah, it, it is like a. a pretty challenging sort of transition definitely yeah. like you know I was 29 and I was just over it and done and then obviously I broke my leg and broke my ankle and Fuck. that was sort of like so context you you were traded to port so you spent the last what two years yeah, three years three years at port yeah. what was it like going to Adelaide did you feel um a bit of pressure lifted off you just from being in a different physical like geographical environment yeah. for footy yeah definitely and and that Port were a pretty sort of senior team as well. I mm. had some really good leaders and it was just like so much more relaxed over there. Like everyone says Adelaide is a crazy footy town and it is, but but it's sort of almost like you got Port, you got Crows, all the Port people love you and, you know, the Crows people, like they sort of stick to their lane and 
um, it's just like a relaxed sort of country town really compared to Melbourne. Like, mm. you know, there's no traffic and it's a community feel. You go into the cafe and everyone's, oh, go, you know, good luck this weekend. It's all pretty positive. So I definitely felt, yeah, it was there was um, just a lot of pressure taken off really, which I really enjoyed. Like the first first year I went over there, the pre-season was incredible. Felt really good and we, we had a pretty good team. And then, you know, I sort of got injured again, like started that year. So I was getting jabs. For the entire year, which stuffed, you know, stuffed my year up a bit, which mm-hmm. was a bit disappointing. But and then the next year came back and I had a you know, my big sort of blow up in the in the media and discretion with a, an ex partner and and that made it pretty fucking hard. And, yeah. Um but I sort of knuckled down and I was, you know, when you do something like that, it's like, all right, I'm gonna keep my head down and, and work hard and, and did that and then started the year really well and then snapped my leg in was like the second game of the year so so that was pretty much the end for me was um, it an easy decision were you just like i'm just gonna it was, call it a day yeah, yeah in the end it was it was um i think like i'd sort of been thinking about it for, if i'm being honest like for five years really like yeah. back at melbourne i was thinking about it and then it was sort of like all right let's try and get traded and and start afresh somewhere and see if i can find that love for it because i when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I wasn't emotionally. It. Were you just signed off? I was, signed, I was out of just, office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like just going into work every day. It's That's like hard when you're not enjoying it. And yeah. then people are like, oh, how can you complain? You're playing AFL footy. You're getting paid money. It's like I sort of. I, I wish it was argument. as easy as what it. Yeah. You know, or as glorious as how it is painted because it is so highly glorified. But there is so many ins and outs that people, and even like me, just getting to know more footballers, mm. it's been eye opening. So I've never, you know, been around that environment. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard, especially when people think that you've got the dream job and you're like, it's just not what it seems, or it's not for me, and and making that call. So you didn't have a retirement match. We just out and straight nah. away, effective immediately. Yeah, yeah, I was done. Or I tried to come back. Mm-hmm. for that year and we sort of because it was like if we make finals I might be a small chance but then we didn't or something and so that year was done and then I sort of did the next preseason, and my foot and my leg and ankle were still just giving me trouble and then it was like a COVID year so they took like a squad of maybe 26 or something up to the thing and so I was left with like maybe 10 or 15 people um, of players of ours and we're playing like you know, actually, I don't even know if we were playing. We were just training on a Saturday, you know, with 15 guys, like doing, like running our asses off. And, you know, you're not even with the team. You don't have them back in Adelaide. And I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty easy by that point. And it was funny because I remember the feeling, like I called my parents and I told them, like, I'm going to retire. You know, I'm, I think I'm done. And just like the relief it was incredible. Yeah. You know, like that feeling of shit, I'm, I'll never have to deal with that ever again was – and, you know, the fact that that was sort of like a positive feeling. Yeah, well, it's, proof is in the pudding. Like yeah. it says it all, right? Yeah, and, right and that's choice. not to say like I didn't have any moments afterwards where I was sort of like you look back and you go, shit, mm. could I have done it or could I have stuck through or – but, you know, it, it's – um yeah, it was sort of – I was at the end of my tether. So you're th- three years out of the AFL system now, right? Yeah. How would you describe, if you could pick like one word, um, your time in the AFL? Oh, time in the AFL. Um, uh, just difficult, really. Yeah, it's time, complicated. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like it's that complica- Facebook yeah. status. <laughs> it was complicated. It yeah. was tough. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't free flowing and and uh, and easy going, and it was it was tough. Hmm. It was, did you ever feel like a sense of grief in that um context of you know signing up doing that and just it not maybe playing out because I'm sure when you started you everyone would envision like I want a premiership or I want to have 200 games or you know th- those kinds of things or have you know a final match at the MCG or whatever 
Um, did you ever feel a bit of grief in, you know, those months following about the experience and grieving what, I mean, you kind of touched on it before, maybe what could have been, but you mm. just can't really control it. But did yeah. grief pop up for you? Yeah, I mean, you definitely, you go through those moments of like what ifs and, yeah. you know, like um, you, get traded, you get drafted to a different team or if I had have got traded earlier in my career or if I had have done this or if I had have done that. But I think in the end it's it's like it's all just a journey, isn't it? And you, you learn from things and I met some great people and it's made me who I am, you know, like if I, if things were different, who knows? Mm. Like, um, but it, yeah, I think grief, not, not, not really grief or like disappointment mm. or like anything like that. It was just more like that was, that was where I was at and that's what the, the sort of hand I was dealt. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just a little bit of like frustration or like, um, I didn't get that opportunity to play in big games or to have a crack at, you know, or to be in a good team for just a couple of years, you know, like to win 16 games in a year or, you know, to to play finals footy, to get that chance, to be in a team where you feel, you know, where you're probably coming in most Monday mornings and everything's positive. Like I just didn't experience that mm. ever. So what were like the positive forces in your life or did it feel like when you made that decision to call call it a day that was like obviously positivity in itself but it was, yeah, just to start to get away from that and experience more joy and other like, I don't yeah. know if this is making sense. Yeah, but. no, definitely like to get away like, because it was a long grind of, of like a lot of negativity, you know. And it I'm, sounds shit. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it I, sounds so shit. And I think like if, you know, I'm like a very positive person. Do you have like trauma from it? Uh, I don't think like ongoing trauma. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I probably <laughs> do. But I think like just to get out of that and to realise like, I don't know, for me like going to the – I go to Body Fit every morning and I, and like meeting people and then them saying like, God, you're, you're fun to be around. And yeah. Like getting back to that like – have you had people message you being like, you just look really happy at the moment? Because I, when I see those videos of you at that gym and I said it yeah. to Oscar like a month ago, I was like, what's he just looks really happy mm. like doing that and being around those people. It's really nice when you hear that when people can notice that you look happier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I think like that's a for me, like that's who I am. Yeah. You know, and as you said before, like your identity was, you know, connected to footy. Mm. And, but that's not footy just because I can – kick a ball around like that's not who I am as yeah. a person you know so sort of it's really nice getting back to that and getting back to you know feeling good about yourself and yeah. feeling that you can provide something and and be a positive sort of influence in other people's lives you know yeah um so yeah it was um I guess like that was a a nice thing to be able to get back to and like as I said playing basketball with my mates as well you know like that's it's just like pure joy, yeah. Um, which I love doing. Um, so that's yeah. Those the little things are the most sort of important, and then just being around family and obviously coming back to Melbourne, being around, around my mates again, and and just being Jack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So exactly. in the context of thirty, because we're the same age, and I usually start the podcast with this question when I interview someone: expectation versus reality. So, like, what was the expectation, I guess, for Jack growing up? I mean, I'm probably just going to assume that, yeah, still playing by the time you're thirty, still playing AFL or whatever. Um, so, is that true? And also, what was the reality like? You know, your thirtieth birthday. Mm. What would you describe your life at at, at that point, turning thirty? Oh, that's a good uh, a good question. I guess, yeah, you sort of like I grew up in a pretty um, traditional sort of household and so, you know, I guess the expect of, you know, you envisage being 30, like my parents would have had all three of us kids by then, had a house, blah, blah, blah. So mm. that, for me it was probably like, you know, growing up it was like, you know, you'd find a partner. So you'd be married kids you'd be married in a house. And they, you know, and footy, yeah. Yeah, if I was still playing footy and, and whatnot. I guess 30 for me, I was like just out of footy. Um, I was single. I like to have a good time, you know, so like I'm partying. And um, I think that was sort of for me an interesting transition, like getting out of footy and then all of a sudden like you don't have these restrictions or like things keeping you in check, you mm-hmm. know. So for me that was like 
a bit of a wake up call and like it still is really it's still this like juggling act that I go through and I'm sort of like a bit of an all or nothing person so it's like I'll either go hard and have fun and whatever and then I'll go sober for you know however many weeks and um that's probably the the thing for me that I find just that juggling act because I am single and it's you've got a bit more freedom and yeah you know so many of my friends are settling down and they're having kids and they're they've got their partner at you know at home and and whatnot and um yeah so so I guess like the but in saying that, it gives me great freedom and I can, you know, I can plan holidays you when go I to want Europe. to and I can go to Europe yeah. and I can, you know, if someone calls me and they say, you want to go on this golf trip, I can do it. Yeah. You know? and, and, and also I think like I still need, I'm still in that process of like working on myself before totally. I get to that, you know. Yeah. A lot of shit went down in your 20s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Spot You're on. almost kind of in like, yeah, that recovery healing phase. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So do guys, you know, as they approach 30, do they worry about not being settled down as much as, I mean, look, I don't think as it's going to ever be as much as women, mm. but do you get insecurities about that shit? Yeah. Yeah. I think like I've, I think certain guys do and certain guys probably don't. Like, mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I had a bit of, you know, I had a pretty traumatic sort of, like, if you talk about trauma from footy, like, I certainly don't, have, I don't think I have that much trauma from footy, but I think relationships I've got some trauma from. And I've found it difficult to get past that, like, since, you know, for, for the last sort of four or five years. So I don't want to bring up the details mm. of Scandal, um, but I will say the interview that you did with Hugh, and I was back in like 2019, mm. and you go into it and the way you reflect on it um, is like, you know, people can just go listen. I'll put that in the show notes of the episode. But in, yeah, in relation to relationships, that experience, has that really affected how you approach relationships and how you meet people? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think... I think like just hurting someone that much and and being you know a bit of a dick it's like it it's hard to sort of get through that and yeah. just think it's and then meeting new people it's like the first thing that comes to my mind it's like okay are you like what if they google me oh uh, not not even that I mean I probably usually have had that conversation with them or, or oh, okay, if it gets cool. any further than that yeah like, and I'm not like, I don't, I'm not too stressed meeting new people that if they, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I've done a lot of work on it. and Yeah. Oh, you know what you've done. Exactly. Like, but it's know, more just from almost mistakes. on my own, from my, my own point of view, it's like hurting someone again. Mm-hmm. Or like if I get, if I commit to someone, then I'm like, and I've, you know, that sort of fear or, you know, of commitment, I guess is like, that's what hangs around. Right. So, um. But, yeah, so I, I think, like, in terms of guys feeling it, – it's also, like, just as all your mates start getting to a certain point, that's when it gets a bit more difficult because mm. it's, like, um, yeah, it's just a lot of you, your best mates who you spend a lot of time with, all of a sudden they're, they're completely sort of – all their time is tied up mm. with, you know, either their, their babies, their partners, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, you sort of feel like, oh, like at times it's like it would be nice to have that, you know, it'd be nice to be able to go on that little couples retreat with the, you know, three of my friends and the couples that they all went on or, you know, but I've sort of be, become pretty good at, um, you know, third wheeling or fifth wheeling every, wherever I need to go. <laughs> um, you know, it's, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's like um, insecurity or like, going to get into 30 or 32 now for me yeah and thinking like shit like what am I going to do it's just a bit more like our lives are very different to other our mates who are who are tied up Mm -hmm. I feel like you're in your personal debrief era Jack and Mm. you're just like spending time on yourself do you like your own company like do you like hanging out alone or do you hate it I sort of hate (laughs) it (laughs) (laughs) and that this is like I guess I just love being around people and stuff, yeah. but this is where it's like that hard thing because so many people probably do see me as like, oh, Jack, like he'll, I'll call him and we'll have a good time and we'll go out or whatever it is. And so, and I struggle to say no and I struggle. So it's like, it's, um, 
yeah, it's it's been a big learning curve, I reckon, from 30 to now of like being able to say no occasionally. And kind of figuring out your boundaries. Definitely. Yeah. And, and also like... I feel like it'd be harder for guys, to be honest, mm, with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just like the person that I am to it's like that's that's who I am or that's who I felt I was. Mm-hmm. But realising like, okay, you can still be that person without drugs and alcohol. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's sort of... That's been a big, you know, and still is like it's this juggling act for me trying to deal with that because it does affect you in a big way. Totally. Um, you know, the person that you can be and to be able to be there for your friends and family and to be able to be at, you know, at the top of your game at work mm-hmm. or at the top, of, you know. Um, and I sort of, I love my fitness and I love my health as well. So it's like this you know, contradiction, I mm, guess. It's I, crazy. Mm. I tell you what, like I'm known as, as a nana, right? But I am like struggling with alcohol because this year not working nights, mm. like I've got so much more freedom there and I'm just so much more exposed to booze and just going to events and stuff, which I love. But I, and I never thought I'd be in this position where I would um, struggle to say no just to like one glass. Mm. It's so fucking crazy. Alcohol. I'm a nana, but yeah. I'm like, I'm genuinely really struggling with it at the moment. And yeah. I know like even one glass will make me feel like shit, but I'm like, oh, it's like a really expensive bubbly at this musical. <laughs> like I really want to just take it. Um, but yeah, it, and it's interesting how that's coming up for me. I thought that would be more of an issue in my 20s and probably pre Triple J, like still in my like kind of casual working era. But yeah, I didn't think I'd be dealing with that at this stage of life. Yeah. Yeah, it's alcohol for me is is the the killer because yeah. it's like once I start, then it's you know for me I can't just have the one yep. glass of shanties or whatever. It's like it's all in. If I'm having a <laughs> if I'm drinking, then it's going to be a night. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the um, I, I I don't know. It's like I sort of feel like eventually I'll get to the stage where I'm just done with it. Yeah, eventually, but it's you know I sort of keep telling myself that, and then you get sucked back in so yeah it's a process Mm. so do you watch footy do you are you in the loop with it have you made a deliberate effort to step away and you're just not interested Mm. yeah I I definitely don't um, pay attention too much Um, I went to yeah Gorney's 200th last week and I reckon that might be the third game I've been to. I went to Jonesy's 300th, Steel, Steely Sivon's 300th, yeah. Gorney's 200th. And do people recognise you at the games or um, not really? Oh, maybe a couple, yeah. Like at, at the D's games, you know, you see your old the old supporters that, that love it. And, and they'll say something to you or they'll yeah. be like, oh, what's he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's nice. It's nice. To, like going down to the – I went to the rooms last week. It was – was it weird? A weird experience, yeah. Because you were never under Goody, right? I, I had a year with Goody, okay. yeah. Yeah, so I had a year and he was sort of Rusey's understudy as well. Right. So he was there for a few years before yep. um, he took the, the coaching job. Um, but, yeah, it was just like it was my first – like I spent 10 years there and it was my first time back in the rooms for, you know, seven years. Or That's eight so years. weird. And it's just like funny seeing similar – people and but then also it's completely different you know it's like the playing list is pretty much completely different the coaches are you know there might be a few still there but it's also I feel like the Melbourne rooms are like a crash like there's kids fucking everywhere right like it's a pretty family oriented club these days (laughs) yeah exactly And, and it was so nice to see you know they just had a good win and it was nice to see how positive it was and how open it was like you know, my memories of down in the rooms are like all of us sitting there like head down, yeah. in the, you know, in the dump. So oh. it was it was beautiful and it was just nice to catch up, you know, the Turin's family who were there from day one when I was there and they were all down in there and Loz was there with their little baby and, you know, it was like just crazy to see that now these people are getting some really good years and um, and then, you know, obviously to catch up with a couple of good mates was Nice, yeah. Do you get salty at the success of Melbourne now, or are you just like, nah? Not, not now. Do you reckon I, some players do? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I can remember when I first left. I went to Port, and they made a prelim the following year, and I was like, I just couldn't deal with it. I was like, <laughs> don't want to hear about yeah. it. Don't want to see it. <laughs> and we were, I was in Europe actually, and um, with Jack Trengove, and we were just like, fuck, if they go through and win a granny or something, I'll like, you spend ten years there. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Away and then yeah. they, you know, the year you leave, you, you feel like it's basically all on you. But then I think the following year they were like bottom three again. I was like, oh, thank God it wasn't just me. It's like that's the crazy shit that you think. Like you put it, you sort of feel so responsible for mm. their 10 years of like playing shit. And then I leave and they play well. And it's like, oh my God, it's it was me. All me. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, that'd be so hard. <laughs> I mean, I'm salty. When Oscar got delisted from Carlton, I was like, I wish you every failure. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm a bitter person. (laughs) I can get bitter. (laughs) I think it's semi-natural, but, you know, yeah. So do you feel like you've approached 30 as like a clean slate and like does it feel like a fresh new chapter for you to just be whoever you want to be? Do you feel good about your 30s? Yeah, yeah, I feel great. I feel... I feel like I'm sort of realizing like the little things that are really important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, it's not the big holidays and it's not the big events and it's not, it's like for me, I've got a job that I have a lot of flexibility with that, you know, I can go and play golf with my dad on a Friday or I can go and, you know, if I need to, you know, have the Arvo off and do some, whatever it might be, like have some time for myself Mm -hmm. or, um, I think I'm appreciating that a bit more. And like as we spoke about, it's sort of that that constant battle with, of like partying and, and um, I think I'm slowly sort of like changing my mindset with that mm-hmm. too, which, you know, I think I'm, I've got a little way to go but it's I think once I can sort of get on top of that then so many things open up. Like mm. I went sober for six months last year. And How'd you find that? Amazing. Like, <sighs> I really need to – I've tried three weeks and yeah. it was pathetic that I was like I couldn't even go further because there was like an event thing coming up and I just had – yeah. And that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah. It's like there's always something. But yeah. Like, like, and that's the thing for me. It's, it's um, you know, I, I can't just do the like I'll go for two beers and go home. Like well, I'd, I'd have a water if I'm not – if I'm yeah. going for two beers and I'll just have a water. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like I'd love to get to that stage of just, you know, if it is – I could sort of have that balance but also it might just mean that you know it's not for me it might just mean that I you know I shouldn't drink and um yeah the six months it was like just crazy the you know what what sort of goes off in your head and and how much more you can be there like that's what I so found. the clarity could you really feel the clarity Big time. Yeah, yeah wow. like probably after like I reckon after maybe three weeks or four weeks like that I think that's how long it takes to like, you know, people sort of like we, you know, go out, have a big night or it's Friday, Saturday, whatever. Like, and you're sort of like, oh, you're a bit rough on the Monday and you think you're back on the Tuesday. It's like, there's no way you're, you're still, you're still like reeling from that, you know, big weekend for, I, I sort of, when I go sober, it's like, I reckon three weeks, four weeks is when you sort of get to that point mm-hmm. of like, okay, I'm sleeping well. I'm consistent, I'm feeling good, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's – um, that's sort of – that's sort of the biggest uh, battle, I think, or mm-hmm. like thing holding me back a bit. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I feel like I've got a good grasp of myself and who I am and my life and what I enjoy. Um, and, yeah, it's probably just trying to keep focusing more on that and, mm-hmm. and you know, doing like – Focusing on doing more of those things than the other things that that hold you back a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like what you're saying about you know being able to play golf with your dad or like going to um, the group gym classes, like just having those moments for yourself. It sounds like you're really kind of almost making up for lost time from yeah. your twenties. Mm-hmm. It feels like a nice place to be at. It is. It is. And I, I think, as you know, we spoke about too. Like, I'd love to find someone and and to you know have that in my life too yeah um, are you on the apps nah nah have you ever been on them nah. oh, i find it so weird that like we just 
look through like a f- couple of photos very of disposable just judge like yeah you know, it's like, and i think now everyone's getting so used to that and it's like mm. creeping into how you treat people totally and, you know, it's like totally they say one thing that maybe you don't agree with and it's like no nah, done yeah because i've got all these other options you know maybe you'll just meet someone at the gym or down the beach on the walk That's who the plan, knows Bridget. you just That's never the, know that is the plan but again i think like when you're in a good place yourself yes you're so much more open to that too you totally know, like when you're not reeling and hung over all week and you know you're feeling good and it's even like feeling confident to talk to people and feeling confident to put yourself out there like when i'm hung over and i've had a fucking bender and you know it's like yeah you, you don't want to expose yourself if i get asked to go oh, you want to come and do the oh no nah, i just want to fucking go home and recover you know yeah or like oh no nah, probably i feel like i look shit and i feel like shit and you know oh no one's what whatever it is you you get that negative self-talk going so do guys do <laughs> guys have that like do you get like self-conscious about that. like what like the, i feel like we're so awful to ourselves mm. women like i'm the i remember yeah how self-conscious i was even when like our first date me and oscar like i did not touch the food and now and he's just <laughs> like what a fucking joke because you just steal my food like a seagull but yeah so guys really kind of overthink it <laughs> of course yeah like so weird i mean i think some po- probably hide it better than others you know you guys need to talk about it more yeah, yeah, help yeah. us out <laughs> I'm an open book, so I'm sort of happy to go there. You should um, do a dating episode on your podcast. Oh, shit. You should get like a um, relationship coach or something and like, yeah, content. Get some tips. I'll bring my notebook. Yeah. (laughs) And girls would love to listen to that kind of podcast too, like two guys, you know, asking, like being genuinely curious about that kind of shit. There you go. Uh, I'll look into it. Maybe you can come in and give us some tips. I don't have any tips. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm no expert in anything. Bossy, thank you so much for jumping on my podcast. It was so nice to finally meet and to interview you. I've never interviewed a footballer. There you go. Thank you very much. Yay. Thanks a If you want to stay connected with Jack Watts, you can do so. He's recently launched his own podcast, which is called the Overly Excited Podcast. I've put the uh, link in the show notes of this episode. And also his, uh, yes, swimwear label that you can check out. It's called Squash Club. And I have also included that link of his interview on the Imperfects podcast. It was from like 2019, but I think it gives um, some extra context as well, which will be a very handy listen if you enjoyed what you heard just now. If you have enjoyed it, thank you so much if you have any time to leave a review or rating it would mean the world figuring out 30 is a completely independent project and it's been created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation I'm Bridget Husswaite and I'll be back with you next week have a good one bye